So today I'm going to be talking about, there's, it, it is an issue going on today that some people are confused about, I think, and um, I'm seeing a lot of people that don't understand this, and that's causing them to be messed up on understanding salvation, right? And uh, that concept is called imputed righteousness, right? So it's called imputed righteousness, and uh, I'm finding that there's a lot of people who think that you have to repent of your sins for, to be saved. People who think that their works are the evidence of their salvation, they don't understand imputed righteousness, right? So first of all, I'm gonna def- we're going to look at the definition of those two words, imputed, imp- impute- imputation and righteousness. So let me start with righteousness. Yeah. And I like to go to the Bible first for my definitions before I go to the dictionary. So, like for the, the for righteousness, I'm going to go to Deuteronomy, chapter number six. Deuteronomy six. Verse 25. Okay. I'm going to read from verse 24, where it says, So Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. So the Bible is telling us that our righteousness is based on keeping the commandments. Right? So righteousness is keeping all of the commandments as God has commanded us. Okay? And the dictionary, if I go to the dictionary, has many syn- there's many synonyms for the word righteousness in the dictionary. One of them is sinlessness. Sinlessness. So if to be righteous, you would have to be sinless, according to, according to the dictionary. And it matches up with what the Bible says, keeping all the commandments. And sin is the transgression of the law. So if you're keeping all the commandments, you would be sinless if it were possible. The Bible says it's not possible. Because uh, all have sinned and come short of all God. But that's what righteousness is, keeping all the commandments. Now, the word impute, impute, right? Um, if we go to Romans chapter 4. So, Romans chapter 4. I'll just start with verse 1. Romans 4 is a good chapter for proving that you don't have to do works to be saved. Uh, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, the... the, uh, that's, that's what imputation means. It means something is accounted to you, to, to charge to the account of. According to Webster's 1828, 
dictionary, and I like to go to the 1828 if I have to go to any dictionary, because it's closer to the time period when the King James Bible came out, because some words, the definition has changed since 1828. Like, for instance, the word unicorn. In 1828, people understood that the word unicorn meant a rhinoceros or any animal with one horn like most commonly a rhinoceros. Today, a unicorn is completely different from that. It's a horse, a, a mystical horse with one horn, right? So that's why I like the 1828. It was before that change had happened. It's closer to 1611. So the closer we can get to 1611 for de definitions, the better. So the word impute means to charge, to attribute, or to set to the account of, to reckon to one what does not belong to him, or charged to the account of. So Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So it's righteousness is something that he didn't deserve. It's something we don't deserve, but it's being put to our account when we believe God, or when we believe, believe the gospel. And uh, so, and that's that verse there is referring back to Genesis 15:6, which you don't have to turn there where it says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So now I'm going to go to Job chapter 29. We're going to just go through the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about this, about imputed righteousness. And it's found quite a few places all over the Bible. It's not just in a couple of places. So Job 29. Verse 14, it says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. So he's putting on righteousness. So if we're getting something we don't deserve, he's putting it on. It's like a robe. It's covering him. And I'm just going to go a few pages to Job 33. 33, starting in... Verse 24 says, Then he is gracious unto him, and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God, and he will be favorable unto him. And he shall see his face with joy, for he will render unto man his righteousness. He looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned, and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. So here's, in Job, it's talking about receiving God's righteousness. And people that have realized that they're a sinner, from verse 27, are, are being granted God's righteousness, because they're believing God, the promises of God. And we just go uh, a couple of chapters more to Job 35, starting in verse number 2. And uh, Job 35 here is, tells us what, what does our righteousness do for, for God, right? Just explain, it, it shows us. Uh, it says, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidst, My righteousness is more than God's. For thou saidst, What advantage will it be unto thee, and what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? I will answer thee and thy companions with thee. 
Look unto the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him, or what receiveth he of thine hand? Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the Son of Man. So saying, our righteousness, if we look at God, he's so high above us, he's like the clouds which are higher than us. What does our righteousness have anything to do, like what does he even consider it as? Pretty much nothing, right? It doesn't do anything. Our righteous deeds don't do anything for God. And, you know, and our sins don't really hurt God. It just hurts our fellow man. And righteous acts helps our fellow man. That's what it's saying there. It's saying our righteousness doesn't mean anything to God, really. And in uh, verse 13, it says, Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. Therefore, trust thou in him. So it's saying, Vanity, boasting about our works to God, that's vanity. It's not gonna it's not gonna profit us anything. So it's saying, therefore, trust in God instead. Don't trust in your own righteousness. Amen. Right? So now we're gonna go to Psalm twenty two. Psalm 22, uh, this is a, most of this psalm is like a uh, prophecy of Jesus, actually. But uh, starting at verse uh, 29, all they, be, all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him, it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. So it's his righteousness that's being accounted. Nobody can save themselves with their own righteousness, it says there in verse 29. Can't keep your own soul alive. Right? You need his righteousness. That's why they're declaring his righteousness unto the people, not our righteousness. A lot of people think that it's their own righteousness that has anything to do with their salvation. And they're confused. They don't know what this... They don't understand that God is giving them His righteousness. It's not our righteousness that does anything. Um, so let's go to uh, forward a little bit to Psalm 35. Psalm 35, verse 24. says... Judge me, O Lord my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. So we're, we're going to be judged on God's righteousness and not on our own righteousness, if we're saved. And then in Psalm 36, one psalm over, one, Psalm 36, verse 10, O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. So it's his righteousness that's, uh, that isn't the important thing. So let's go now to Psalm 71. <clears throat> Psalm 71, verse 
starting in verse 15. It says, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. My, uh, okay, so that's verse 16. And then down to verse 24, skipping down. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. So it's his righteousness we're supposed to be telling people about, not our own righteousness. Not about, it's not about repenting of our sins. It's not about you know, proving that we're saved because we're doing all these good works. It's about God's righteousness right, that we have to our account, something we don't deserve according to what imputed righteousness is telling us. So if we go to forward now again to Psalm 89. Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. So it's his righteousness that's going to exalt us, is going to save us. And in, uh, if we go down to verse 30, this is a good this is a good passage here in verse, starting in verse 30 for eternal security the fact that you cannot lose your salvation because people say well if you if you're sinning you know if you're doing habitual sin then you know you might maybe you were never saved to begin with or maybe God can take that away from you well verse 30 says if his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes? Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly t take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So he's telling us there, we'll be chastised. We'll be punished on this earth, but he, he will not remove his Amen. loving kindness, his faithfulness. He, he has perfect faithfulness. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It will happen. He's not going to lie and, say, and take it away. He won't break his covenant. So let's go forward now again to Psalm 98. Well, when you're saved, all of your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. It doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter when they were committed. right? So, and you're given his righteousness... So that, that's what we're judged on. If we have that on our account, that's the important thing. If that righteousness, if God's righteousness is on our account, it's like there's a ledger in heaven, and our name is there, and next to our name is either your, his own righteousness or God's righteousness. You want God's righteousness checked off on that, on that ledger. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Okay. So, all right, let's go back to Psalm 98. Uh, verse 2, the Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. So it's his righteousness again, once again. In case you didn't get it the first other ten times that it says it in the Bible. You know, it, it's repeated over and over again, right? So the people... His righteousness is very good. That's correct. Yep, that's right. It's perfect. Perfect righteousness. Okay, so now I'm going to go to Isaiah 54. 
Yep, 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, 17. It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So our righteousness is is of God. It's not our own. It's his righteousness. And that's why... Okay, so let's go to Isaiah 61, uh, starting in verse 10. Okay. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So when we're saved, we get a robe of righteousness. And in Revelation it says the righteousness of saints is the, the white robes that we receive in heaven. So it's covering our own righteousness. So if we have God's righteousness covering us, there's nothing we could do on this earth that would even make, make any difference to that, right? So it's because we're completely covered with God's righteousness. God sees us. He considers us righteous, even though we're not really. So let me go to... And of course... Isaiah 64, just a couple chapters over. But we, and then 64, verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, and our all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So and all of our good deeds are just filthy rags. God doesn't even, just like it said in Job, God doesn't even, nothing, nothing we can do is going to affect what God thinks about us. Except if we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, then we get his righteousness. So now I'm going to go to Jeremiah 23. And this is the last Old Testament verse, I think, that I'm going to cover. And after this, we'll go to the New Testament. So Jeremiah 23. Verse 6 says, in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. So that's, you know, when he's ruling and reigning, he's going to be called our righteousness. That's what we're, that's what we're looking to for our righteousness. So now we're going to go to the New Testament, to back to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 19. It says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, 
through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So that's a good passage there to tell you that you are not saved by any work, anything you can do. It's just by believing that Jesus paid the price on the cross. And um, it says, we're to get, he says it twice, to declare his righteousness, just to make sure you get, you get it, that it's not your own righteousness, it's his righteousness. The righteousness of God without the law. And without the law, meaning there's no works involved there. Not before salvation, not after salvation. There's no works whatsoever. Okay, so if we go, and, and again, back to in Romans 4, if I, I already covered the first few verses in there. Um, but in verse 5, starting in verse 5, or verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So here we have being accounted for righteousness to get saved and once you're saved, God does not impute any more sins to your account. So it's because his righteousness is on your account. Your sins are not imputed to you. They were actually imputed over to Jesus because he took your place. Because where it says in Romans 3 that he's the propitiation for our sin. The propitiation means he's the substitute. He's taking our place as the guilty party here. So his righteousness is given to us and our sins are given to him, basically. That's... It's sort of a transaction that takes place at salvation. So, and a lot of people don't understand that at all. They think that, oh, well, now that I'm saved, and you know, I, I, I saw this video on YouTube last night. The guy is, he's repenting, repenting your sins, and he says that once you're saved, you're, you're going to do the works, right? You're going to have the works. But, and he, he talked about imputed righteousness, right? He thinks that right, imputed righteousness means that once you're once you're saved, you'll have the works. That, to him, that's what it's, that's what it's talking about. He thinks that once he has the righteousness of God, then somehow he's going to be sinless or something. Like, but it's not. It's not. It's not. It's just on our account. It's not. We're not actually righteous. We're we're still going to sin, right? It's just his righteousness on our account. So he didn't understand that. Um, and that's leading to a lot of people getting deceived by these false doctrines, works-based salvations, lordship salvation. And uh, over in Romans 5, a page over, 5.18. And in Romans 5, it says it three times. But Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that's the, or the righteousness of God. That's what counts. 
And uh, it's his obedience, and it says it's a free gift. So all you got to do is believe that he did that for you. Trust in him, and you will receive his righteousness. And it says again, For as, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So we're being made righteous, considered righteous by God, just by because Jesus is the one who did the obedience, not us. We can't obey the law perfectly, but it's impossible. So that's why we needed him to come and do it and be righteous so that we can take his righteousness and get into heaven that way. And, you know, I, I also saw this video a while back where this guy said, you can't expect to just be, you know, hide under the rug and like sneak in under the rug with Jesus covering you. You can't do that. This guy thinks he's sinless, right? <laughs> it's these people. He's like, he's like, you know, you can't do that. But, well, the Bible says that's exactly what's happening, right? You're covered with his righteousness. You are sneaking in under the rug, so to speak, <laughs> right? Because, you know, we're sinners. We're somehow we're getting into heaven without doing any good deeds, right? Amen. So, Hallelujah. Right. So that guy had it all wrong. Okay. So now let's go to Romans 9. 9, verse 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. So the Gentiles, they didn't follow, they didn't try and be righteous, but they've attained it because it's the righteousness by faith. Because they had the faith and it was given to them as a free gift. And then in Romans 10.3, it says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and now he's talking about the Jews and Israel, they were ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness they have, and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So the Jews there... They were trying to just do their own, just like repent of your sins, or you know, you got you know, Calvinists, or perseverance of the saints people, or lordship salvationists. They they're trying to establish their own righteousness instead of trusting in God's righteousness. <coughs> and now, if I go to Second uh, Corinthians, chapter five, as we can see, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of verses about this. It's not just an isolated topic. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that's the, ver that's the verse that's telling us that Jesus was made sin for us, so all of our sins are put on him. So, that, so, that, so then, if our sins are not on us anymore, then we can get God's righteousness on us as a part of that transaction. Okay, let's go to Galatians 2. Let's get forward here. Galatians 2. So, Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 21. Or just verse 21. But we're going to go ahead. Uh, it says, uh, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So the only reason, so if we're trying to get righteousness by the law, 
then why did Christ even have to die, right? If, if, if it was possible to be righteous, so what it's saying, then there was no reason for Christ to have been crucified. Because then you could pay the own, you could pay your own, you could pay for your own sins, basically. You know, if you're righteous, you're perfect, which is impossible. So, because it, it's called frustrating the grace, right? So, if you're trying to establish your own righteousness and trust your own righteousness, then you're frustrating the grace of God. You're saying, I don't want your free gift. It's rejecting the free gift. Which is what these people are doing when they say, well, you, got, you know, you can't just live any way you want after you're saved, right? And still expect to get into heaven. Well, the Bible says, you, yes, you can. You will get into heaven because it's not your own righteousness. Okay, so skipping forward to Galatians 3. Yeah. Galatians 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So here, the Galatians were already saved, because he said, did you receive the Spirit by the law or by faith? Right? That's a, a rhetorical question, because obviously, if they got saved, they received it by faith. Right? But now, they're trying to, they're the kind of people that are saying, well, now that we're saved, we're, you know, we're automatically going to do good works. And if you don't have the good works, then, it's, then you were never saved to begin with, which is all, it's, it's lordship salvation. That's what a lot of people are believing today. But it's saying here, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? That's another rhetorical question saying, no, you're not being made perfect by the flesh. You receive it by faith, you're, you know. You know, works are not the evidence of salvation. All right, so, and then skipping down to verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So it's saying that if there had ever been, if it ever was possible to be saved by keeping the law, then we wouldn't have to have grace. We wouldn't be able to be saved by grace because there would be no need, again, no need for Christ to die, no need for a free gift of salvation because righteousness would have been by the law. And that verse also, there's some people out there that think that people used to be saved by works in the Old Testament. The dispensationalists, they think, that well, it's saved by grace today, but back in in the Old Testament, they were saved by faith plus works, right? But uh, clearly, it says if there had been a law which could have given life, righteousness should have been by the law. Well, then, if they were saved by faith plus works in the Old Testament, we should be saved by faith plus works now. But that's not the case. So it could never be the case. You could never be saved by works. 
And then in Galatians 5, verse 5, says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The righteousness by faith. And I'm going to go forward now to Philippians, chapter 3. Paul wrote a lot about this topic, too. Philippians 3, because apparently God knew that people were going to have trouble with this doctrine to try and understand it. So it's over and over and over in the Bible to say, you know, if you're going to read the Bible cover to cover, you're going to see this all over the place. It says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. This is uh, Philippians 3, verse 9. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So again, repeating it again, just in case you missed it the last time. It's hard to miss. Somehow they still don't understand it. And then again, if we go to Titus. Titus 3. Titus 3 is a pretty direct statement, which we use soul winning a lot to, to prove that it's not works that, you're, that are saving us. But Titus 3, verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So I quote this to people all the time. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy. It's a good memory verse that uh, you can quote to people. People who think you need to do works to be saved. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, we have Hebrews 11, verse 7. It says, By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So Noah uh, was saved by faith as well. So, again, so that was the flood. He was building an ark, of course, to escape the flood. He became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So, and um, now if I go back to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us, in Matthew 5, Jesus tells you, well, what, if you wanted to, to get into heaven on your own good works, what would you have to do? Right? Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. And he gives a, a direct statement in verse 20. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So not only that, at the end of the chapter, after all these other things he tells you you have to do, at the end of the chapter, it's, a, it's summarizing the whole Sermon on the Mount as to what you need to do if you want to trust your own righteousness. It says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So if you want to get in on your own righteousness, you would have to be perfect. You could not sin one time in your entire life. 
can never tell one lie ever in your entire life because as soon as you tell one lie, that's enough to go to hell. So that is why we need his righteousness. Because as, as it says in Isaiah 64, as, I, as, I, as we saw before, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing that we can do. And um, so I found this video on YouTube, which actually it illustrates this concept, really. It's, really. it's a really good video I wanted to show you guys. So I'm going to put that on right now, and then I'm going to, afterwards, uh, I just have another, a few more verses to go over, and then I'll be done. So. Next. File, please. Mm -hmm. Some lying, some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. File, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like, one time I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. File, please. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to make this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the article. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. Was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called Grace. Next. Right, so that video does a great job, I think, of uh, illustrating the concept that it's not us that gets us into heaven. It's Jesus, his righteousness, his little file that has child of God. <laughs> that's, that's a great video. I, it, it's been going around um, Facebook a lot, too, so... You can find it on YouTube if you look for the um, 
It's called Goodometer, I, I believe. So that's a good one. Um, so, so there are some things that our own righteousness does account for, and that's called its, it's rewards, right? So if we go to First uh, Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians three, and starting at verse eleven, it says, "For our other foundation can no man lay than that which is than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it." Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So that's, that's a great passage there. It tells us that our works are, are, just, are used to determine rewards when we get to heaven. And also, it refutes any of the Lordship salvation where it's, because uh, this guy here, uh, in, in verse uh, 15, if any man's work shall be burned, that guy's work, he had, no, he had no good works, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So you're getting in to heaven regardless if you have zero works. That guy had zero works on his account, and he's getting in because he's trusting in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation that, that that's the only foundation that you can lay, Jesus Christ, right? So as long as you're saved, you're getting into heaven. It's it's has nothing to do with our works. Only determine the rewards. And um, I'm going to close off with Second Samuel 22. So let's go to Second Samuel 22. Second Samuel 22, verse 21. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him and have kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore, the Lord hath recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyesight. So there's one passage in the Old Testament, one in the New, about how our righteousness just determines rewards. It doesn't determine our salvation at all. It just determines, I don't even know what the rewards are going to be. I have not seen nor ear heard or um, the things that God has prepared for us, right? So, and that's all I have today.